As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Tokyo Football League show. The League One season ends in suitably spectacular fashion with Wigan champs Rotherham promoted and Wickham snatching the last playoff place. But it's misery for Gillingham, Donny and Wigan. We look ahead to the Titanic Tuesday night tussle at Bournemouth, ponder who's going up from League Two and talk managerial moves as Mowbray, Warburton and Appleton move on. This is the Totally Football League show in association with Paddy Power. Welcome in then, listener. What a last weekend in League One it was too. Plenty going on in the Championship and League Two as well. All to be discussed by myself, Matt Davis-Adams, joined today by Sam Parkin. Morning, guys. Adrian Clark's back with us too. Hola. And it's a welcome return for Flo Lloyd-Hughes. Hi, Flo. Hello, hello. All right, we've not been good enough. The balance of the squad, the fitness of the squad, the standards have been a disgrace. Was that producer Abby or was it Neil Harris? Listen on to find out. First of all, we're going to the Championship. Bournemouth and Forest still fighting for second ahead of the biggest game ever after both enjoyed big wins on Saturday. Sheffield United stay in the final playoff place. Three points ahead of Borough, three ahead of Millwall, but with a big goal difference advantage on them. And Mowbray, go break more like, whilst Warburton is toast at QPR. Uh, let's start with Blackburn against Bournemouth. Huddersfield's inferior goal difference means it's effectively a straight shootout between Bournemouth and Forest for the final automatic promotion place. Uh, it looked like the Cherries had the tougher task as they travelled to then still promotion hopefuls Blackburn. But he would you believe it, Parker's Peeps cruised to a 3 0 win. He's nicked it back and Debelli goes past his man and here's Phil Bulling for another. And there is Phil Bulling for another. Game over. Job done. Lancashire and the Cherries now will take it back to the Vitality Stadium with their two attempts to try and book promotion back to the Premier League. Their work on the road is done. They lead by three goals to nil. Oh, this was massively imp- impressive flow, wasn't it? And kind of continues the theme of late of, of Bournemouth being better away from home than they are on their own patch. Yeah, I mean, I've been disappointed with Blackburn second half of the season and obviously with the, the news of, of Mowbray probably didn't really help there last chance and last bit of fight to try and get into into the playoffs but Bournemouth are, Bournemouth have such a good squad and and I've I've said this on a couple of different podcasts in relation to Fulham but Bournemouth squad is ridiculous for the for the championship and they will be in financial trouble if they don't go up and they should go up I mean the Kiefer Moore is a backup 
striker for them. He's not even a first-team starter. And when I think of a team like QPR, I'd be crying out for someone like that. And a lot of championship t- teams crying out for, for someone like that. And they bought him in January as just like a an extra bit of, you know, an extra pair of legs to chuck in uh, and, and win them games like that incredible turnaround midweek against Swansea. So... It's impressive to see what Solanke's done and, and the, the number of goals that he's scoring. Um, but they spent a lot of money on him and he's delivering on that because I think some people were doubtful when he first came in if he was going to, you know, I think a lot of people thought what happened to Rian Brewster at Sheffield United might happen to Solanke, but he's completely turned that around. He's been fantastic. Billing's been fantastic as well. Stars of the show in that game. But I still think, you know, the expectation really is that Bournemouth should get it over the line. But hats off to Forrest for taking it right down to the wire. And that game on Tuesday night is going to be box office, really. Yeah, we'll have a look ahead to that shortly. Um, Clarkie, Sam's poured lots of praise over, over Dom Solanke this season. I wonder if you'd like to do the same, because obviously he's been in Mitro's shadow for a large part of the campaign. But to get to 30 goals is an achievement that we ought to, to give a bit more love to than maybe we have to. I think so. Yeah, he's he, he stepped up. I think I tipped him to be the top scorer at the start of the season, and, and he hasn't disappointed. He's he's kicked on, improved as a player, and and this was a bit of a masterclass, wasn't it, from him, alongside Philip Billing. I think that they're a pretty good double act. Uh, I was looking at some of the stats around Solanke. He's got a twenty five percent conversion rate, which is excellent. No one has scored more right footed goals in the championship. Dominic Solanke that includes Mitrovic and yeah I just I think he's he's had a breakthrough season which sounds daft because he signed for big money and was a bit of a wonder kid but as Flo was saying there was a danger that he was going to fade away and and not fulfill that potential I think we can see that now in this team and I I think he'll be a Premier League player no matter what happens next season probably for Bournemouth but uh, if they don't go up, then uh, there might be some clubs sniffing around because he's got the tools. He's got pace. He can hold the ball. He's a cultured finisher. Um, he's got the attributes to play in the top flight. It's been a, a brilliant turnaround for him, really, because I thought there was a lot of questions still uh, about him when he was at Bournemouth not scoring goals. And I remember speaking to some, to some of Jason Tindall's staff probably 18 months ago. And they didn't think he was a finisher, didn't think he was a goal scorer. I think they said he was a link man to me and that they were <laughs> going to be in the market to bring someone in who could guarantee them the goals. This was at the start of the previous championship campaign. So for him to now be the top man, he deserves enormous credit for you know mentally being able to turn things around for him, not only at, at Bournemouth, but in terms of his career, because... Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of questions, probably whether he made the right career moves, and um, he's got back to a really good level. And completely agree with Clark. He's much better footballer than he gets credit for as well. You know, he can play as a ten. Um, he's obviously flourishing playing as a number nine, but can take the ball in, can link it. Been incredibly impressed with him. And we could just swap out Dominic Solanke for Sam Surridge in terms of the conversation that we've just had because he came to the fore on the banks of the Trent. Forest hammering Swansea 5-1 to keep them on the heels of Bournemouth. All more accurately, three points behind, but with a goal difference better by one ahead of that crunch game on Tuesday. Uh, Sam, it's time for your weekly praise Sam Surridge contribution. I thought particularly his second goal was just what you were talking about last week, actually, in terms of that ruthlessness and always picking the right finish, which he did here. Yeah, the, the third one's a good one in sorting his feet out, getting the power on the strike. Um, the touch was nice. But yeah, the second one was dreamy, wasn't it? He can feed in Sorich here. 
Oh, I just love those goals. I I used to like them on my left foot, actually, since I was a kid, bending them in the, in the top corner. But yeah, he is a wonderful finisher. I think someone said he was the, the best one-touch finisher, you know, at the level. And yeah, that was beautifully taken. He's really come to the fore. That That's my only concern with Forrest. I think like you, Matt, you know, there's not an abundance of quality in reserve. Although Mighton came on and got a goal and Lolly still... Uh, around the place and getting some minutes. You know, that's my one concern going into this enormous game that they're playing at such a tempo. You know, it was the, the the word that just jumped out to me when I saw them at Fulham. And I think this was a pretty similar game in that, you know, Swansea were always going to have all the ball and Steve Cooper would have done his homework. He would have known exactly how he would have wanted to approach this. And they, they carried out the game plan absolutely perfectly. And I think, you know, Swansea and Russell Martin, he just needs another summer. He needs better defenders who can play a, a bit more than the ones at the moment can. Probably better wing-backs, maybe another number 10. That There'll be a, a threat next year, no doubt. But yeah, this, there was a big gulf between the two sides here and it could have been more handsome, the, the victory, you know. Going on all your texts and tweets, Matt. 17 shots, best team in the world since Steve Cooper was the manager, etc., etc. <laughs> Not my words, um, the words of Henry Winter. <laughs> they're, they're, they're in brilliant form. They're in brilliant form. And, and for a team who I saw at Fulham that's built on energy, uh, pressing in the middle of the pitch, pace at the top, it's not a bad watch. You know, they're really, really entertaining to watch for, for a team that obviously gives, gives up a lot of the ball. So, yeah, full credit to them here again. Matt, I wanted to ask you, because I think you asked you this a couple of months ago, but I've all, I felt like QPR's player pushed this entire season. Like I knew they weren't ready to go up. When I look at that squad, if they were to go up, they would get smashed every weekend in the Premier League. But a few months on from probably when I last asked you that question, you look at that Forest squad now and look at the depth that's in Fulham and Bournemouth's team that we've already spoke about. And I think a lot of people think that they could really make a good go of it, but do you think it's too early for Forrest? I know you want to go back into the Premier League regardless, but do you think they'll be able to compete with some of those other teams? Uh, that's TBC. What I would say, I mean, the thing that I've said all season is that we've been waiting 23 years to get promoted, so it's definitely not too early. And the other thing <laughs> is, you know, we're not going to have uh, the likes of Jed Spence, probably James Garner, Keenan Davis and mm. Brennan Johnson and maybe even Steve Cooper next season. So it has to be now or never mm. um, for me, I think. And, you know, the Forest owner has got deep pockets. They will spend money in the summer mm. if they get promoted and their chief exec, Dame Whitehouse, has just won an award for being the best uh, at his job of anybody in the FL this year. So that gives me hope that they will um, spend some money and spend it wisely if they do go up. Um, Clarkie, how's this game against Bournemouth going to shake out, do you think? What's the key to it how are both sides going to approach it Sam thinks Bournemouth are going to park the bus <laughs> well Scott Parker likes to think of himself as a, as a tactician and he, and, he, and he can he can close down games he's cautious we know that fascinating to see what, what happens here he actually went to a back three for the final 20 minutes at Blackburn I wonder whether that was a little little practice run ahead of this game it wouldn't surprise me if he went with something a little bit different for the game He's obviously going to have to be really, really protective of of those spaces down the sides of the centre-halves. I'm not convinced by them, I've got to say, the, the defenders. I know that Lloyd Kelly's had a largely good season, but I think there are vulnerabilities uh, at centre-half that, that Forrest can really punish. 
especially with 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 your man Brennan Johnson. So, yeah, I think Forrest are clearly coming into the game in better form. And I was looking at some of the numbers. Bournemouth have only actually won eleven of twenty one home games this season. So if you're looking for <laughs> hope, there Forrest unbeaten in sixteen of twenty one away games. Um, so and, and and the other stat that really leapt off the page was that Bournemouth. In nine of 11 home games against the top 14, so the best teams in the division, nine of 11 home games they've conceded. So I think there's every chance that Nottingham Forest will, will get themselves at least one goal here. And uh, and that will really put the pressure on on Bournemouth, who I think can tighten up. That's, that's my problem with them. I think they can get a little bit tight under Scott Parker. You can't say the same for, for Forest. They're... Um, well, they're just in the groove, aren't they? Um, my prediction here would be would be Forest to win, but but these are two excellent teams. Matt, I've got to soften that statement. My in-laws live in Christchurch. So I don't want a crab sandwich <laughs> kicked in my face the next time I'm on Motherford Quay. Um, no, I, I just don't think they can afford to be as open as Fulham were. And they got pace at fullback, but they're not going to have as high a line. And I think Scott Parker will say to Forrest, go on then. You, you have some of the ball and yeah. you try and break us down. And that also means that Brennan Johnson, um, Zinkanagel, who is much quicker than I ever knew, mm. uh, won't have any space to, yeah. to run into. So I say, go on then, you try and break us down. That's the way, isn't it? That is the way to do it. But, but they are Bournemouth in turn can maybe be a bit longer as well yeah. and not so intricate with their passing and say, you mm. know, put the onus on for, um Forest Centre. It would be a sign of real respect if they did do that, uh, and 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 I would per, I would understand it. It's just that they're, they're a really good pressing team, aren't they, Bournemouth? Statistically, they, you know, they, they win the ball high up the pitch a lot. They make life difficult for opponents. A lot of their a lot of their style is based around closing down. And yeah, if they were to retreat, it would be um, it'd be a real nod towards Nottingham Forest. But uh, yeah, we're in for a treat, aren't we? It should be a cracker. You guys are, yeah. Um, my hands have literally started shaking just because of this conversation, so I'm going to move it on fairly quickly. Um, on Very quickly, though, on Sam Surridge, should Michael O'Neill and Stoke be extremely embarrassed that they gave up on him so quickly? They signed him from Bournemouth, so this is a big game for him, by the way. A little bit of revenge in the air because they didn't deem him good enough for them. Um, they gave up on him after six months. And I thought he started okay for, for Stoke City. He was cast aside and kind of written off as not being good enough for Stoke City very, very early on. And he's, he's only a young boy still. I think that is, that is a big mistake from the Potters and, and from Michael O'Neill. Yeah, Steve Cooper benefiting from uh, having had a relationship with him when they were at Swansea, I think. Uh, no sign of Huddersfield taking their foot off the gas ahead of the playoffs. They won 2-1 at Coventry. A very slim chance they'll make the top two. But more realistically, they're making sure they arrive in the playoffs in tip-top condition. 2-1 uh, the score here. Uh, they're guaranteed top four flow, which means that they'll play at home in the second leg of their playoffs. Do you put much stock in that at all in terms of being a big advantage? Um, I think it is, yeah. I think it, I think it always is in in any kind of cup competition. I mean, it's not really a cup competition, but any of those knockout sort of competitions. I think having that second leg at home is is always big. I mean, they're very organised. They have good individual players who work hard. Uh, a good coach, but I think they've just had a very pragmatic approach to the season. And that's probably why they've ended up where they are. Because I think when you look at a team like Coventry or perhaps even a team like Blackpool, who are a bit more 
gung-ho, adventurous, creative going forward, but leave themselves so vulnerable and don't have enough defensive capability to be organised and grind out important victories. I think that's the difference between kind of where Huddersfield have found themselves and where a lot of the teams below them have. Adrian, do you think Coventry will look at Huddersfield and think this could be our blueprint for next season? Because they're not that far behind, are they, Coventry? It's been a really solid season for them too. Maybe. I think that Mark Robbins has his own style. I don't think he's going to go around copying Carlos Corbran. But yeah, they'll look at the away form, won't they, how solid they are. Third best away record, Huddersfield, and think, yeah, that that could be the way to, you know, providing we keep winning at home or, or, or performing well at home, that could be the route to more points. Uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. It, I, I think that Corbran is just a, just a very smart, smart tactician. I don't think that many managers will will copy him because they're not that exciting to watch. They don't create that much. I, I did see a number that they they you know in open play fourth lowest expected goals, that and, and the three below them are the ones that got relegated. So it shows you how how reliant they are on on set pieces, and yeah, they're an inspiration to other teams in that regard. Huddersfield work on set pieces incessantly and it will provide you with with so many bonus goals but now I think Coventry are, are step by step brick by brick getting there and I expect them to be top half again again next season so yeah they've, they've got a good chance um, nothing to worry about there but as, as for Huddersfield good luck to them I agree they're the surprise team they're absolutely not ready for the Premier League I think that I would fear for them if they did go up um, they could. They well, could I feel really like they've kind of, I feel like they've kind of followed the blueprint of when they were last there under under David Wagner, which is they went up. They weren't a very exciting team then to watch. I mean, negative no goal difference. They got promoted. Yeah, with, and, I mean, they, I how were they like scoring the Premier League? This, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I feel like they're following the same sort of blueprint that if they were to get there, you know, they they would struggle again. But obviously, mm. their fans had had a pretty brilliant time up there up until the point where they got relegated. And those last couple of months were pretty pretty dire, but. It's a massive achievement for a club like that to to be up there. So yeah, yeah. yeah. And they come into the playoffs in great nick. I mean, you look at the eight game, ten game, twelve game form tables. They're second to Forest. So so they'll fancy their chances, and they've got the bonus of of sort of rotating a little bit um, in a final week. All uh, right. RQPR now bad vibes FC it certainly feels that way. Uh, Sheffield United proving a pain in the arse for Mark Warburton on his last home game. It was confirmed he won't be in the dugout at the Kyan Prince Foundation Stadium next season. Uh, Clarky, we'll let these two have their pity party in mm. a minute, but we ought to give Sheffield United uh, some praise first for they are six firm favourites for the playoffs now. Um, I don't know about you, but I particularly enjoyed uh, the headed cross from Chris Basham to set up Robinson's winner. Yeah, yeah. No, there were some good goals. Nice training ground routine in there, wasn't there? Um, so, no, it was impressive, wasn't it? They caught caught QPR at the right time, clearly. But there's a bit of momentum about them. They've got important players. They've got big players, haven't they? I've talked about this before. Burge and, and Gibbs White, uh, a top drawer. And, and, and Dai, we should probably mention him. He's, he's had to step in because Billy Sharp's been out. Rian Bruce has been other players have been missing, McGoldrick, and he's he's delivered, hasn't he? He's looked really, really sharp. And I believe he's on he's been observing Ramadan as well. So the fact that he's made such good contributions while potentially being really hungry um and, and maybe low on energy is, is particularly impressive. So yeah, well done, Sheffield United. It's not done and dusted because they've got they've got Fulham, haven't they? And um and Middlesbrough are more than capable of winning their last game. So uh 
yeah, all to play for. But they've done they've done very well, and that that was a powerful performance at Queens Park Rangers. I thought coming from behind to win that game in style. Sam, you can have first hit at the QPR stuff. Then the, the Mark Warburton decision rather clumsily leaked toward the end of of last week. Dare I say, if it had happened at the end of the season, it might have been met a bit better by QPR fans because the, the tail-off has been pretty dramatic in the second half of the campaign. There's no doubt he's been getting a fair bit of criticism, Mark Warburton, for quite a period of time, I, w- I would say. So it's not come as a big surprise to me. But I think you have to be balanced to say he's done a terrific job and QPR's in a much better position than it was three years ago. And I'm I'm sad for one that he hasn't got the opportunity to improve the squad in the summer. Can't we just say sometimes the players and the squad is probably not quite good enough. And that's how it felt to me all the way through the season. They were never automatic promotion contenders. Never. I'd have bitten your hands off at the turn of the year for playoffs. And I think it was probably quite damning in this game that he just played Charlie Austin. And that, for me, sums the season up quite nicely. He's not probably trusted the strikers and the best two players were Chair and Willock for the the majority of the season. If we could have a, a few more goal threats probably better wing-backs, just some, a bit more depth around the squad than they could have been a, a force under Warburton next year. Absolutely, in my mind. So I think now, I don't want to get too carried away with style of football and all that, but of course, QPR have played nicer stuff under Warburton. You know, he likes to keep the ball on the deck and they have to go for someone similar. So to rip up that blueprint now and to go for someone, um, you know, that that wants to play back to front football or or whatever... No, you know, go for go for a young coach who's got the same principles of Mark Warburton and give them the opportunity to add in the right areas and, and QPR could be around the playoffs again next year. But yeah, it's it, it, a lot of progress under him and yeah, disappointed that he's gone. Uh, Flo, you were there. Firstly, what was the atmosphere like? And secondly, who do you want to replace Mark Warburton? The atmosphere was good. Um... I don't know, actually, really. I don't know if I could say it was good because the Sheffield United fans were very loud from the very first minute. They were the loudest in the ground. And the QPR fans didn't really wake up until Austin um, got the opener and then they livened up a little bit. But then as soon as Sheffield United got back into it, the, the atmosphere fell flat again and a lot of people left the ground when that third goal went in uh, and didn't bother to, you know, applaud the manager in his last home game or applaud the squad. I interviewed Walton after the game and he was very emotional. Like his voice was was definitely cracking and, and wobbling and I think it had been a really hard week for him and I think the whole situation in which it was announced and, and dealt with was very messy and I think the last couple of weeks and months have been very messy for QPR as a football club. And I think it's going to be a really important summer for them because not just the recruitment of a manager, but a squad that's kind of in disarray a little bit. You know, you've got some really ageing players that aren't good enough. Um, You've got some players who are too good for the club and, and the club are desperately trying to cling on to. You've got players who are very good but haven't been offered new contracts. Johan Barbe being one of them, he's out of contract. So I think they really need to reset this summer, figure out, what they want to do and what and and where they want to be because otherwise it could be a serious period of of drifting and they could be in trouble when it comes to relegation next season. Is that Sean Dyche then, Flo? 
<laughs> well, I mean, to he's, one, apparently. He's, he's up been, there he's among been, the contenders. He's been linked to... He's given us link, no name. Come on, Flo. He, I think for me, and I asked Warburton this on, on Friday, I think John Eustace would be, a, you know, a really smart appointment. He was linked to a lot of jobs at the turn of the year when there were a couple of sackings. He turned them down. He's assistant manager at Public of Ireland. At the moment, he was assistant manager for all of Warburton's tenure. He's been caretaker manager before. He's a very good coach, and he's obviously rated highly if he's assistant of an international side and and was linked to some permanent roles. So I think for me, he would be the man because he obviously knows the club well and he's been there a while. I think Sean Dyche is just too negative. And I did ask Warburton about about whether Eustace would be his choice. And he said, you know, I'm not going to speak for John, but I think he's a, he's a brilliant manager. So it'll be interesting to see what they do next. But I just hope they get it right because it is a bit of a, a crossroads for the club, I think. Give it you, Steve, because he's my mate and he gives, gets me tickets already, but I'd very much like to be in a box at some stage next there season. There you go. Sam I, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm marvelling at the fact that you, you asked Warburton who, who should Absolutely replace him. That's, brutal. I mean, that is, that is <laughs> gutsy. I, I'll, give, I'll give you that. Well, I said, I said, you know, I said um, there's a man in the dugout who I think is an obvious choice for your replacement. Do you hope that he gets it? Um, no wonder his yeah, voice was cracking. Well. He's not even out the and door he yet. Said, he said, "I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna speak for him, but he's a he's a brilliant guy. And he's known him since the Watford days. So, I mean, you've got to ask the tough questions, eh? So Imagine if he just said no, though. Imagine yeah, he said no. He's no good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Producer Abby, save us from the Totally Queens Park Rangers show and give us some odds on Bournemouth against Forest. Can I see a Paddy Power, please? Yeah, Paddy Power make. Nottingham Forest, the underdogs, Matt, they are 11-5. to five. Same as the draw. Bournemouth, though, favourites, 6-5. to five. The most likely outcome, according to our friends at Paddy Power, is a 1-1 draw, which is 5-1. to one. Thanks, Abby. League One next. So, Mr Guardiola, what's troubling you? I'm very tired, Doctor. Tired, right. No, I'm very tired of winning. It's just too easy at the moment, you know? I need a challenge. Like finally winning the Champions League with Man City? Hey, <laughs> hey, hey, come on. Will Pep finally do it? At Paddy Power, we can't guarantee you a trophy, but we can guarantee you money back as a free bet if one leg of your 4 plus 4 bet builder lets you down. Paddy Power! Pre-match online bet builder bets only. Min odds 1 to 5 per leg. Max free bet £10 per day. 7-day free bet expiry. Excludes enhanced match odds. Eligibility restrictions and T's and C's apply. 18 plus. BeGambleAware.org You're listening to the Totally Football League Show. Part of the Athletic Podcast Network. All right, our friend Nancy Frostick's got a big read-up over on The Athletic detailing how the final day in League One played out. Give that a read if you are so minded. The headlines in brief, Wigan champions, Rotherham up two, Gillingham down on goal difference along with Wimbledon, Doncaster and Crewe. Wickham take the final playoff place with Sunderland Wednesday and MK Dons joining them, though Nathan Broadhead might not make it after getting injured. Ditto Barry Bannon uh, for Wednesday. Wickham versus MK. First leg is on Thursday. Sam's going to that one. Uh, Sunderland v Sheffield Wednesday on Friday, the returns on Sunday and Monday. Whipped in by McLean, free header, and Will Keane has made it three. Promotion in style. Uh, let's start with the champions. After all that metaphorical hand-wringing from Wigan fans following their midweek defeat at Portsmouth, it turned out that the Latic supporters needn't have worried. Their team cruised to the title courtesy of a 3-0 win. Uh, Sam, what do they need to do to to make sure they stay up? They've been a bit up and down. I mean, the obvious answer is don't get rinsed by a dodgy owner and plunged into administration. But um, in terms of investment, will there need to be a lot of that in in the squad? Yeah, I I think so. It's a a big leap, always has been. League one to the the championship. 
I think they built a really well-constructed squad for, for League One, but you'll have to improve, yeah, five or six players, I would say, that have got championship experience, maybe another creator, Lang and, and Humphreys, are they going to get goals in the championship? You know, I'm not sure either of them have probably been tested at that level, so I'm sure they'd look to add another front man and then maybe, you know, King can play off him or play up as a number nine as he's done at times this season. He can play both roles. So yeah, I, th- I think it'll be a big summer for, for all the clubs that are that are promoted and, and we're going to know different. You know, they haven't you know, romped the league. It's been a bit of a stutter towards the end and they'll need to freshen up. Uh, Will Keane getting the golden boot then. It, away form has been key for them, hasn't it, Clark? He won 14 of 23, losing just three. That's a, that's an incredible record. Yeah, really impressive um, on the road. They're sort of built for that because they don't, they're not really a possession team, Wigan. Don't have that much of the ball. Don't actually have that many shots. In open play, wait for it, 15 League One teams have had more shots than Wigan in open play, which which is a nod towards their efficiency, isn't it? And the quality. Particularly when they've got the top scorer in the division. Exactly. But but they're also excellent at set pieces. Yeah, I mean, 25. They've got more than Rotherham in the end, which is which is some going. So, yeah, they were efficient rather than exciting, I think, throughout the season, but but very well organised. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think that they will do okay. They just need, yeah, like... Yeah, a little bit more quality um, in each of the departments and, and they'll be all right. And to maybe just have a little bit more of the ball next season because, um, yeah, championship sides, if you give them too much, they'll, they'll wear you down and, and score goals. But yeah, congratulations to Wigan. Excellent campaign. Uh, Flo, can we just copy and paste what we've said about Wigan there for, for Rotherham? So they win 2-0 at Gillingham, sending Gillingham down, but more pertinently for the Millers, putting them back in the championship. Well, has a chance to seal it. It's done. It's Georgie Kelly. Rotherham United's pathway back to the championship is opening up. The league which broke their heart last season is waiting for them again. And it's Gillingham's hearts who may just be broken here. Are they going to be in the same kind of situation as Wigan, do you think? Or, or are they going to make a better fit, fist of it this time around? I'm intrigued to see how both of them get on because um, when I first watched both these sides this season, I was expecting a lot more of them, having seen where the position they are on the table and how they kind of both dominated the division at times. But I've been a little bit disappointed in the lack of creativity, I think, in both sides. And I mean, we spoke about Huddersfield. You don't need to play the most exciting brand of football to survive in the championship or even to be successful in the championship. You just need to be quite efficient. And that's why I think Wigan, like Adrian said, will probably be okay because they they can be very efficient, um, even though they don't create a lot or have a lot of the ball. But I think Rotherham will need to kind of level up a little bit um, in that regard because I think... I think they're maybe just a little bit of a, a Peterborough for me at the moment. And I think if they're going to compete, they're going to have to really up their kind of efficiency uh, to stay in the division. But I, I think they can. They've got some good individual quality there. So Gillingham down, Neil Harris didn't mince his words after the game. Let's have a listen to what he said. We've got seven players under contract. All seven won't be here next year in, that I want or don't want. Um, players are out of contract. Some I'd like to keep. The rest can go. Um that we've not been good enough. You know, the balance of the squad, the fitness of the squad, the standards have been a disgrace at this football club. Um, it has to change. Uh, Sam, 
what did you make of that? And what do you think if you're one of the seven contracted players <laughs> that have just been absolutely buried by your boss? A uh, bit gutted. It probably wouldn't come as a surprise to to most, I would say. Not that Neil Harris would have had them in having the one-to-one meetings because invariably if there's something to play for at the end of the season, you'll be in tomorrow or Thursday for your little 10-minute slot for Neil to tell you how useless you are to your face, which is a real <laughs> dagger to the heart um, after a relegation. I got mine by letter once. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Oh, I was quite glad. Yeah. And then Flo rang you up and asked who should take your place. <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't think it would come as too much of a surprise, but... I mean, I'm I'm all for that and credit Neil Harris, but, you know, he's he's looking after himself as well, isn't he? He's not going to say, oh, I made a mistake in that game and I should have played that player or what have you. So he's looking after himself a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, they've been... They won his first two games and then I think they've taken four points from the subsequent seven at Priestfield, scoring one goal. So uh, for... The unbelievable striker he was, he's probably been pulling his hair out watching his team's efforts because with Dane Oliver got double figures, the next top goal scorer is Danny Lloyd with five, who I think has been injured for a number of weeks. So they've had no firepower. That's probably the imbalance he's talking of. And yeah, it'll be be a big summer for them to to change things around. Worst home team in the division as well. I mean, for, for Neil, we played at Millwall all those years. That's that's got to be your strength and I'm sure he'll try and do that again because it can be an intimidating place to go and play um, the Priestfield. So yeah, big summer for him and um, yeah, hopefully he can, he can get back to league one because he's by no, by no means a league two manager. I think for me that when I saw those, that interview afterwards, I think it was more of a damning indictment on Steve Evans's reign at yeah, Gillian course, because yeah. Yeah, what Harris had to uh, inherit is ridiculous and it doesn't surprise me in the least to hear about the terrible fitness levels, the terrible, you know, no motivation, no confidence. And, you know, they they were a terrible, terrible football team. And I think in those kind of situations where you are at rock bottom, you probably do need to have an absolute clear out or, um, you know, you're going to have to just get the preseason started now, really, um, to try and get them back up to where they were. And we'll see what happens with, with Evans at Stevenage. But yeah. I just think, you know, that's like, it's like non-league, non-league sort of management and and levels and training and, and professionalism in League One. And that is just not good enough. They'll be back in pre-season way before July, let me tell you. They'll be, <laughs> it'll be mid, mid-June when they're back in. Um, 27 fewer goals than Fleetwood. That's that's why they've gone down. That is incredible. Um, speaking of incredible, Plymouth went into Saturday hoping to make the playoffs whilst MK Dons had their hearts set on avoiding them. Neither team got what they wanted, but it was the Dons who were by far the happier after romping to a 5-0 win at home park. Uh, Sam, this is the part of the show where you get to lavish praise on Scott Twine, your boy. Darling. Twine. Oh! It's another... Scott Twine is taking Plymouth Argyle apart. I thought you were going to say Abby's going to play uh, my quote from a month ago saying Plymouth aren't going to get in the playoffs. They're going to implode, <laughs> I think was my quote. And I took no satisfaction yeah. in saying it, but I've been proven 100% correct this uh, Monday morning. Give yourself morning. that pat on the back, Sam. Well done. Thank you, mate. Well yeah. And they weren't relegated either, Clarkie, so... You know, <laughs> I win on two fronts. Um, um, yeah, I mean, Clinton Morrison got this right those finishes from Scott Twine oh my goodness 
None of them were easy. Even the one that was cut back to him, it kind of clipped. It was great awareness, great sharpness of, of mind to adopt the right technique. And then you got his free kick. You got the one that he pinged. And then the last one is a dream as well. Bit of disguise on it, curl in off the inside of the post. I mean, yeah, I saw something from his agent. Obviously, Brian Howard, a former teammate of mine, is, is his agent along with um, his, his partner, Phil, you know, speaking about why they moved into MK Dons. And it was a case of looking at the data and, and picking a, a side where they really thought he would flourish. And he probably could have gone to the championship or maybe a, a team – uh, with bigger spending power in League One, with you know aspirations of getting automatic promotion, but they chose MK Dons for a reason. I think more agents are looking at this type of thing, and it's proven to be a fantastic move. You know that that position that he plays, um, that was the interesting matchup for me actually at the weekend. How Jordan Houghton was going to deal with Scott Twine. Um, easy to say now because Jordan Houghton only lasted forty five minutes, and of course had a huge bearing on the on the second half. But you know most. Teams in the division haven't been able to deal with Scott Twine, and he will be, he will be the probably most important player in the twenty-two when they um, go to the field against against Wickham over these two legs, which is just a brilliant game because of the, the 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 proximity between the two. Of course, uh, so I don't think it's a big derby, but it's not far away from each other. And obviously, there's even though Gareth Ainsworth would would tell you he's trying to change the way they play at times and introducing better footballers. There's going to be a big contrast in in the styles of play, so looking forward to that. And I think that game at Adams Park earlier in the season, there was a couple of incidents between players and the, I think Stockdale and and the crowd and things like that. I think it was pretty spicy atmosphere, so I think a lot of the the fans are going to re- be remembering that as well. Yeah, it's mouthwatering that as well as the uh, the other semi final. What about Plymouth then, Clarkie? They didn't get relegated, but they probably felt like they did at full time. Uh, in this one, they're only the third team in the history of the FL to reach 80 points and not make the playoffs. If, if you're in power there, are you, are you taking your shoes off or are you saying, no, you can have another go at it next season? Oh, I think he's done done enough to have another go at it, Stephen Schumacher. Yeah, he's, he's only a young guy, 38, 80 points should not be ignored. 74 would have got them into the playoffs last year. So it, it really, really unlucky. They were so defensively strong, weren't they, under him. So it would be doubly painful that, that they blew it with a 5-0 battering. You know, it just goes against everything that they've they've worked so hard to build there. I think they there are two things, really, that Ryan losing Ryan Hardy or having him in and out of the team towards the end of the season was a bit of a blow. And maybe, just maybe, from a tactical point of view, they they just had the one way of playing. It was always that 3-5-2, or it seemed that way, you know, playing through the thirds. Maybe maybe a plan B is something they work on moving forwards. But uh, they can hold their heads up very, very high, Plymouth. And, yeah, I think I think Schumacher should stay. I totally agree with, with Clarkie. He can't have been fit, um, Adrian, because he was on the bench, not used at the weekend. Yeah. So maybe that was just mind games from uh, from Schumacher. Uh, considering the the enormity of the game. Right, so that Plymouth implosion left the door open for Wickham to take the final playoff spot. Gareth Ainsworth upbeat about his side's chances of doing that when we spoke to him on Thursday. He was right to be a 2-1 win at Burton. Means the chair boys will take on MK Dons in those playoff semis. If I had to ask you to predict who was going to come through that tie flow, who would you go for? MK Dons. Adrian? Yeah, MK. They they won one 0 didn't they, in both the both the league games. So yeah, big clash of styles. But uh, yeah, MK are a slightly better team, in my opinion. 
you know, complete the set, Sam? I agree with the guys, but I do love Wickham in the old playoff format. Mm. You know, I was, as was proven a couple of years ago, the siege mm. mentality, you know, the doesn't matter the if tricks of the, the trade and football, all that. Footballing mm-hmm. side, they can they can mm. mess you up. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be fascinating. Can't wait for that one. Uh, Clarky, what did you make of Gareth Ainsworth's fist pumps? I know you're not a fan of them generally, but the fact that, that he got his locks flowing whilst he was doing them at full time, <laughs> I thought it added a bit more credence to them. <laughs> yeah, it did. It did, yeah. I mean, he was getting in his eyes and all sorts, wasn't it? I think I think he's got to look at having a trim or, or maybe bringing in some kind of Alice band into play. <laughs> It was just it was just it was just a bit too wild by the wild thing, in my opinion. <laughs> uh so that was the good news. Doncaster and Wimbledon though, unhappy. They both got relegated just as we were expecting, along with Gillingham and Crew. Doncaster's draw with Oxford Wimbledon losing meant that they switched places in the table. Uh Adrian, do you reckon Mark Bone will stick around for, for next season at Wimbledon? And indeed, should he be given the chance to do so? Dunno. I don't know. I don't think he's done enough to 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 make himself a a sort of gimme for the job. No, I think I think they'll just cast the net. They've got the time to sort of take a step back now and think, right, what direction do we want to go? And that's, I think, the key issue. We praised them last year for having a clear plan of action, the, the right kind of manager to develop what they wanted. And they got rid of that guy and it didn't improve. So, yeah, I think they've got the spirit there. They've got lots of talent in the young players. They're an attractive club to, to play for if you're a youngster. Um I personally would probably be looking away from Bowen just just on the basis that not enough changed there. Um, yeah, looking at the teams that went down, I do I do think Gillingham are probably best placed because because they got the best manager. Neil Harris is 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 you know proven. Alex Morris at Crew, not so. You know newbie. Jury's out on McSheffrey at Doncaster and and Wimbledon. Who knows who's going to be in charge of them. Uh, who knows who's going to be in charge of Lincoln? Michael Appleton leaving the club, it was announced this weekend. Chairman Clive Nate said, During our conversations over the past few weeks, it became abundantly clear to us both that this summer was a good time for him to look for a challenge elsewhere and for us to find uh, somebody else. For us to find for either side to make the decision for the other, he leaves with our total respect. I get the feeling that I've copy and pasted that. Um, somewhat incorrectly. You get the point. He's not going to be the manager next season, Flo. Um, This is a bit sad, I think, because he did such a great job with them last season, lost all his key players, essentially, in the summer. They've been hovering around relegation, but it feels like a bit of a harsh reflection on him that he leaves them in the position they are. It's not really a reflection of the the overall job over the three years. Yeah, yeah. And actually, I was um, with friend of the pod, Robin Cowan, yesterday at uh, Arsenal Women, Aston Villa, and we were both discussing Appleton as potentially some a name you'd chuck in for the QPR job. Obviously, it's been a while since he was um, at championship level, but he is a very good coach. Um, Yellow spectacles she's got on there, Robin Cowan. <laughs> <laughs> Do no wrong in that mob's eyes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think it'll be interesting. I think there'll be a lot of people interested in, in him, so I think he, he, won't be, he won't be waiting around long. Um, and I think it is sad the way it's ended. Um, but, you know, there were... A potential for them at one point in the season that they were going to be in real trouble. So, you know, they're not they're not part of that gang that are going down now. They, you know, both both sides can kind of reset. Be a great appointment for Wimbledon, Sam. Do you think he'd, he'd drop into League Two, or is he is he going to be looking higher than that? No, he's better than that, and he's got he's got a really good coaching CV as well. So it depends what his his next move wants to be. Yeah, it's the old victim of the, his own success here, isn't it? Couldn't replicate what they did the previous year bad luck with injuries 
hellish home record as well. Um, I think three of the four relegated teams won at Central Bank this season. Um, so really bad at home. And I think the fans were divided towards the end. You think of the way the 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 Cowleys run their ship. You know, they have like a bit of a, they have a real, feels like a personal relationship with the supporters. You know, you, they're very open and you know, they go over the fist pumps and all that. I think he's quite guarded, Appleton, in that regard. And I thought that um, probably led to a bit of a relationship bre- breakdown between the, the fans and him. But now nah, he'll be absolutely fine. And I'm sure he'll, as Flo said, he'll be, on every list for every vacancy, probably championship down to the top of League Two. Do you know who I think he'll be good at? Uh, Barnsley. Yeah, that's a great shout. Yeah, yeah. He, he likes working with young players. We know that they only ever really recruit young players. They need someone with experience. I, I think he should be number one of their list. But yeah, whether it will be. The, the other opinion, and it is a League Two club, but he was born there. He's got close links with the owners. Is Salford City. He was born in Salford. If they were to make a change... And he was interested. How many Hollywood home? big yeah. managers do they want to go through before they finally like decide? Because that is mad. If they got Appleton, that's just like another yeah. mad when they got Alexander, though, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. They're just making their way through all the like. Mm. Let anyway. Well, He'll be in charge of someone. He'll be in charge podcast. of someone this summer. I'm pretty sure of that. I don't. I can't see him having to wait until the autumn to get back in. Yeah, and every Salford manager is, is just an, an appetizer before the inevitable Phil Neville. Just to clear up, the ever <laughs> diligent producer Abby has put the actual proper statement from the Lincoln chairman, which said, during our conversations over the past few weeks, it became abundantly clear to us both that this summer was a good time for him to look for a challenge elsewhere and for us to find someone to build on his work over the past three years. There was no fallout, no need for either side to make the decision for the other. He leaves with our total respect, our best wishes and an open invitation to visit the LNER stadium at any time in the future well done for getting the branding in there clive nates speaking of branding let's bring in producer abby to give us some odds courtesy of our friends at paddy power on the league one playoffs do you remember some uh, weeks ago when i asked everybody who was their who was their favorites to win the uh, league one playoffs and sheffield wednesday weren't even in those positions and they were the favorites with paddy power well you'll I'll be unsurprised to hear that sheffield wednesday are the favorites to win the playoffs with paddy power they are 15 to 8 mk don's the second favorites 5 to 2 then sutherland 11 to 4 and then wickham rounding off with 7 to 2 thanks abby we're going to finish in league 2 This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. 
You're listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. If you want to read more Football League content from the likes of Nancy Frostick, Paul Taylor, Phil Buckingham, Peter Rutzler, and more of the Athletic's best writers, you can do so by heading to theathletic.com forward slash league show and get yourself a subscription of just £1 a month for the next six months. That's theathletic.com forward slash league show. In League Two, and bear in mind, we are recording before the Monday games are played, so Abby will update you on what's changed uh, after we've finished the regular show. Exeter move up to the top of the table thanks to a 1-1 draw at Northampton. FGR slumped to a 3-1 defeat at home to Harrogate. Bristol Rovers scored a 95th-minute winner to beat Rochdale 4-3. Swindon moved into the top seven at the expense of Sutton with a 2-1 win at home to Barrow. That coupled with a 4-1 defeat for the Londoners against Bradford. And now then, Florence at Sixfields. It happened on Saturday. 1-1, it finished between Northampton and Exeter. Did you have a nice time? I had a lovely time. You know what? Exeter City are a lovely football club. I mean, Northampton are great too. I'm not saying that they weren't great hosts. But just, you know, like lovely press officer. Never interviewed Matt Taylor. What a charming man. Like real Prince Charming vibes to him. Getting Disney vibes. Um, Just a really lovely crew. And Northampton were lovely too. Um, I felt a bit... Sorry for them, but I feel feel like it's been the story of their season, really. So many chances uh, appear wasted about four of the same opportunity when Apare played him in uh, with a through ball that was perfect. And uh, Dawson was very good, to be fair, uh, for Exeter and pulled off some good saves. But he had four pretty much same chance, like one-on-one with Dawson. Couldn't, couldn't score the second goal. And then next to get the equaliser and the bubble kind of burst from Northampton's promotion sort of party in their last home game. Um, And I think it's going to be really, really interesting to see how they bounce back and they're kind of now waiting on those other results on Monday to help them out a little bit. It's going to be a massive waste opportunity if they don't get that third spot, given how it totally could have been in their hands. But yeah, massive props to Exeter because top of the table after missing out on on playoffs wins so many times at Wembley, having all those crushing defeats and like doing it as well, playing a really exciting, nice style of football with some good individual players and just seemed like a lovely, nice club as well. So, yeah. Yeah, Matt Taylor talking like a man who's looking forward to being in League One next season. He said, sometimes League Two games are drab affairs. Uh, <laughs> fair enough. Uh, heck of a game at Spotland, though. Rochdale and Bristol Rovers sharing seven goals. The visitors coming out on the right side of a 4-3 scoreline, despite being 2-0 down at the break. Uh, Clarkie, the, the Bristol Rovers fans had Joey Barton on their shoulders by the end of the game as they were serenading him, not to everybody's taste, uh, to put it mildly. But we can't question their spirit. Can they? And and they look. I mean, we don't know what's happening with Mansfield and Salford as we record, but but they're right in the mix to go up automatically. Yeah, a bit premature for those kind of scenes. I mean, yeah, and Arsenal get told off for just going and clapping their fans. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was a great game and testimony to the character and the belief of the team. They say were pretty poor early on in the game. I mean, look at the Rochdale goals. They just play through the third so easily. They were wide open. The holding midfielder Paul Coots was was badly exposed. They kind of play with a front five, you know, four one four one, and and it left him too isolated, and the, and they really struggled at the back. But what they did, I mean, they they ended the game with without three of their original back four. One of them he took off with an injury, who was struggling, and then he took the right back and the centre back off with fifteen minutes to go, and basically put two wingers on. And, and went for it. They had about seven or eight forward players on the pitch and, 
and we can see what happened. You know, three one down, four three, great drama. And they'll be talking about this game, won't they, for for years to come? The Gasheads, if they go up, um, it was it was a bit of a classic, but it, it it may be all in vain because it's you know it's not in their hands. One for Clarkey. Only Exeter taken more points uh, when they've conceded first. So 19 points Bristol Rovers have taken. Um, mm. And uh, the best record in that regard, away from home. Yeah, and they've got goals in them. Yeah, They're one of those teams. I think team, when you concede, but you're a little bit light on goals, it can be like such a drain for you. Like, oh, how are we going to get back into this game? But I think because they've got so many goal threats, Bristol Rovers... That they they back themselves to to come good. Are Northampton still in that final automatic promotion spot? Here's producer Abby with a roundup of Monday's fixtures. Yes, Matt, there is no change in the third and fourth positions in League Two, as neither Port Vale nor Mansfield were able to take advantage of their games in hand. Starting with the early kickoff, Mansfield are held to a two-all draw with Salford, whose playoff hopes themselves are ended with a point not being enough for Gary Bowyer's men. In the 3 p.m. kickoff, Port Vale's two-one loss at home to Newport meant Mansfield leapfrogged the Valiants in the table to fifth. That's three losses in a row now for Port Vale, and things don't getting easier for them as they face title-hunting Exeter on the final day. And Matt Taylor was present doing his homework at this game. Mansfield face FGR in the final day of the season and with just three points separating Northampton in third to Swindon in seventh, we have got quite the final day in store at the top end of League Two this weekend. Bring it on. Thanks, Abby. Way back on Saturday, Swindon beat Barrow by two goals to one. It was the Robins against the Bluebirds. Nice to have a bird Derby. Uh, they're going to maintain this position, Sam. Are they going to sneak into the playoffs, you boys? Oh, it's going to be tense because I think Flynn's got you know Walsall looking you know uh, much better proposition now. Um, That's their last game. La- they go there next week. Yeah, four points last two games. Obviously, Swindon will take a well. They'll sell out the allocation, of course. Um, they'll go in massive numbers. It'd be a great atmosphere. The biggest scandal recently is that Andrew Hawes, my um, commentator colleague, employed Ivo Graham, the comedian, to do my job the other day. <laughs> I mean... He's a funny yeah. guy, to be yeah, fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Supposedly it went down like a storm, so that's that, that, that gig gone for me. Um, <laughs> back to the drawing board in that regard. But um, no, I thought they've got there. Uh, they've got it in their own hands. Two really tough, tense home games. There was over 13,000 there the other day. They actually opened up the away end, which they... Don't normally do so. Terrific atmosphere, pegged back by Barrow. Should have had the game out of out of sight. And then uh, Lewis Reed, if you haven't seen it, brilliantly taken goal. There's a little minute touch he takes. He collects it and then he shifts it and then finishes. It's a really clever bit of play, and he's been outstanding. One of the best midfielders in in the division. Um, and the midfield and the front three: Payne, Reed, Johnny Williams, McCurdy, Davison on loan from Charlton, and and Louis Barry. I mean, that's a formidable six that they've got at the moment. So if they get in the playoffs, got as good a chance as any. Uh, Producer Abby's going to give us the odds on how likely that is. Well, listen, Matt, because we are recording right on the whistle of the uh, Newport win over Port Vale, I actually don't have any outright odds for you today. I'm so sorry. Um, I do remember seeing that extra one, one to four to win the whole of League Two, but 
I'm not giving you that as an odds because odds are accurate at the time of recording and I can't see them right now. What I can tell you is that Exeter are the favourites to beat Port Vale. Therefore, they'll be the favourites for the League Two title. They are 19 to 20 to beat the Valiants. They themselves are 13 to 5, draw 23 to 10. How many times have I said that this season? And uh, Mansfield Forest Green, really the pick of the weekend in that League Two. Uh, Mansfield are the slightest of favourites in, in this tie. They are 13 to 10, Forest Green 7 to 4, and the draw. Say it with me, 23 to 10. You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. It's over 18s only. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. T's and C's apply. And when the fun stops, stop. All uh, right, before we go, we've had a lot of chat this season about coaches slash managers and the way they acknowledge their supporters post-game. Uh, Clarkie's been absolutely scathing about my hero, Steve Cooper, and his three fist pumps. Give me an alternative then, Adrian. How, how are you doing? Is it, is it polite applause? Do you know what? It's not the issue that I have with the fist pumps. And this is really important to recognise. I'm going to get a bit serious here. What I think a manager should do, I don't care whether they do fist pumps, a clap, a beat their chest. They can do whatever they like. They can do a thumbs up. Do it with the players. Do it with them by your side. Don't separate yourself from the team. The players of the team, I want the manager to be alongside the players, sharing in that sort of appreciation, not on their own, waiting on their own for their opportunity to to have that moment where it's me, me, me. The players of the team, I prefer my managers to, to be part of it rather than separate. There you go. Got a bit serious, but that's 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 where I'm going with it. All right. As the president of the Steve Cooper fan club, let me just uh, defend my boy here and say that he <laughs> always acknowledges every single Forest player before he does the thing with the crowd. Um, Sam, I think you've got something a little bit left field as to what you would like to see coaches do in this position. Ah, not really, but the clapping over the head is weird, isn't it? No other walk of life. It's always annoyed me. I probably did it, but what even is it? Just thumbs up and a wave would have been better, wouldn't it? Shake a few hands. What, what's that clapping over the head? It's odd. Um, no, I would, I would get the world's biggest bum bag, uh, a la my hero, Warnock, and uh, I'd have pre-signed uh, cards, pictures of myself, and I'd hand them out to every single spectator who waited well, around the... Uh, you could fire them the off bagger. in a gun. One of those guns, couldn't you? <laughs> T-shirt gun, yeah, yeah. There you go, Love yeah, yeah, catapult. That. Yeah, I'd catapult, <laughs> sign pictures of myself to everyone who stays behind to go like that. That's clapping over the head. Um, Flo, if Mark Warburton had ended QPR games by dishing out some financial advice and stocks and shares tips, do you think he might still be in position? And, and, and if not, what should he have been doing? Well, do you know what? He should, first thing he should have done was tell the club not to launch their own series of NFT tokens, but that's for another <laughs> pod. Um, I think I would get the PA to put on that chicken song that goes da 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 and we'd all do a little chicken dance at the end. I think that'd be quite good because I think you'd get the crowd really into it. I think you'd get the kids involved. I think you'd get the older parents involved and I think it'd be a bit of a laugh. I think the players would like it as well and it could, could become a bit of a, a trend and like a tradition that you do. I think it'd be great. I'm all for that. Yeah, great. Yeah, it's a nice way to throw some subtle shade at the oppo as well, isn't it? Look at these yeah, chickens exactly. we've just vanquished. <laughs> Send them away. Would be particularly uh, pertinent should you have beaten Blackburn, I suppose. 
Uh, right, that'll just about do it for today. Listener, please keep everything crossed uh, for Nottingham Forest as they go to the Vitality Stadium on Tuesday night, unless you support Bournemouth, of course, um, in which case I hope it's a miserable evening for you. Many thanks to Sam, to Flo, to Adrian and producer Abby for their input today, mainly to you for joining us. They will do it all again on Thursday when we'll look ahead to the final day of the regular championship season. Join us for that if you can. Until then, from all of us here, it's goodbye. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and keep up to date with everything Totally by heading to at the Totally Show on Twitter and on Insta. Find out the latest subscription offers by going to theathletic.com forward slash league show. The Totally Football League Show is an Athletic Media Company production. The Athletic.